Well, welcome to um, week eight, the final week of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Um, we have covered a great deal. Anyone agree we've covered a great deal? At times, possibly a little bit overwhelming because each of these topics could sometimes be a series in themselves. And so I just want to say is, we know we've covered a lot, but it's not that we just move on from that and we never come back to these issues. There are many things that we've talked about that in the months and even years ahead, we want to go into those and teach in more depth. But just to remind you where we've been, we, week one, we looked at the problem of being emotionally unhealthy Christians. So hopefully you're feeling more healthy in terms of your journey as a Christian. Week two was the challenge to shed our false self in order to be our true authentic self based on our relationship with Jesus. Week three, we look back at our past so that we could look at praying into and breaking some of the things that have maybe held us captive um, presently. Week four was about letting go of power and control. Week five, we looked at grief and loss. Grief and loss is a big one. That's definitely some, something to do a series on in terms of understanding the theology and grief and loss, which will come maybe sometime next year. Week six, we looked at the rhythms of Sabbath rest. Week seven, we looked at how we can love others well. And finally, week eight, where we are today, we're going to look at going deeper with God. Now, the iceberg has been something that we've seen throughout this series, and it's a, an analogy that we've, we've, you know, we've particularly drew, drawn upon. And so, as we see from the, the iceberg behind me, the top 10% of the iceberg is the only bit that's visible, with 90% of the iceberg being underwater. And we've looked at this in the series because this represents our spiritual life, our walk as Christians in a sense, where that top 10% of the iceberg in terms of our faith can represent the external activity of our lives in church. And our decisions and behaviours in that top 10% are the things that everyone can see. But what we've been looking at in this series is the bottom 90%, the 90% that isn't visible, that's beneath the surface, uh, the things that other people can't see, your hidden motives, your fears, your jealousies, your sadness, your angers. And whilst we may not be able to see that in each other, although the closer you are to someone, you certainly see that 90% beneath. But there is no one person who understands that 90% better than God even better than you understand it. He sees the 90%. And so what he wants us to do is to make sure that we're focusing on the 90% that's hidden so that he can challenge us and work on that 90% so that we can grow more like his son, Jesus. Has anyone found that easy? I haven't. The truth is that 90% is the things that is really difficult, that's really challenging. But God has been speaking to me about my own journey with him. And I've been excited about some of the things he's been teaching me, some of the things he's been growing in me and using in me. Am I there? Absolutely not. But have I been encouraged, particularly in this season, about what God is doing in me? Yes, have I been encouraged seeing almost the, the, the spiritual light being switched on some people that have maybe been, well, they, they've just turned it off where it had gone really dim? Have I loved seeing prodigal sons and daughters come back into church, 
Yes. Have I loved seeing Christians who have just been coasting along, but there's a fresh spark and fire that God has put in them. It's those lights that I have delighted, and you will have delighted with me, seeing in our congregation that there is a, a freshness. On week one, when I introduced this series, um, I, I, I looked at what would a church look like if, and there was four things. Imagine a church where maturity and health are prioritized over activity. We've been seeing that. We can't tick it off. We've not done that. But we have been seeing a maturity in health that's been prioritized over activity. The second one was imagine a church where every person is living out of their relationship with Jesus. We're not there, but there's more people just making sure that they're seeking God and they're living out of relationship with God. The third one was imagine a church where every person is experiencing transformation beneath the surface of their lives. We've been seeing that as well. The fourth one, imagine a church where every person is committed to learning tools to love others like Jesus. Well, we particularly looked at that last week. How do we be Christ to other people? How do we be more loving? And so we've been seeing the transformation take place. Is the transformation complete? Not at all. But I'm so encouraged and delighted that as I look through my week, message from the first week to see that we are becoming a church that's more reflective of the church in the New Testament, the Acts Church. So we're moving in the direction along the narrow path that God has called us to. And we've been challenged by God in numerous different areas to walk with him. Now, during this short time, you will have mastered nothing. If you think you've mastered anything, then probably God needs to, to speak to you. You see, instead of mastering any of these disciplines, we've realized that rather than being experts, we're apprentices. Or possibly a more biblical word would be we're disciples, we're men and women as disciples of Jesus becoming more like him, but on a gradual journey as we invite him into our lives to look at what's beneath the surface. So maybe in that 90%, maybe God's been working on 2 or 3%, 2 to 3%. Maybe you're in the teens, maybe the 20s, the 30s. Maybe, you know, you're, you've well established in your faith in terms of your maturity, but God's still been working on those things. So whether God has been working on just the early stages of that 90% or you're well established and God is working through maybe some of the, the very bottom bits of the iceberg, the truth is we're all learning. We're all apprentices. We're all disciples. And, and if you think, like I said, you've become a master in anything, then one of the things that God will speak to you about is humility because we're all on that journey. And so now we, we come to the end of this series and I believe we've got one of two paths we can choose. Path one, we can go back to the things, that the way things were before we started to uncover what's beneath the surface of our lives, the iceberg. We can go back to the same habits, the same ways of processing information, the same ways of dealing with people. 
Now, path one is shorter. It's easier, but it means having a superficial relationship with God and with people, staying in that top 10% where we're comfortable. Can I invite you to not choose that path, but choose path two? Path two, we can continue to go deeper with God, to allow him to continue to uncover what is beneath the surface of our lives in order that we may mature as Jesus' disciples and become more like him. Path two, it's longer, it's more winding, it's narrower, it's got bumps, it's got obstacles, it's more difficult than path one. But when we seek God and we follow path two, that path leads us to indescribable riches of life, indescribable revelations of who God is and how he's made us to be. But that requires us to be open and honest with God and say, I want you to keep working in me and through me. So for those of you who are going to carry on with path two, which I'd hope would be most people here, can I say is that's the right decision. That's a great decision. That is one that God sees your heart and thinks, I'm delighted that you've started to allow me in more and I've got so much more for you. Good choice on that path. It's not easy, but God says, I'm going to be with you to show you amazing things and more of his love. So as this course comes to an end, um, I want to clarify this emotionally healthy spirituality, it was a vehicle. It was a vehicle to aid us in journeying down that narrow path of being a disciple. But the course is just that. It's a course, it's a vehicle. So we move on from, from this course but now, for most of us, there is some momentum. There's more momentum in terms of what God has been doing in our lives. And what God loves is when there's momentum, you're ready to go. You're already moving, and he can just direct you. The truth is, as a pastor, I love seeing when there's momentum because all of a sudden, people are already moving, and they start to say, oh, can I help with this? Can I do this? God's put on my heart this. And when there's momentum where people are being challenged by God to seek him and to listen to what he's saying, that's brilliant. Because rather than asking people, where sometimes you may think they're at a dead stop here, instead of asking the church, and, and you know, this isn't where we are, and at times we may have been there, rather than asking people who are dead still to say, come on, it's no fun trying to, we'll know this with other Christians, it's no fun trying to almost drag someone along. But what's amazing is where there's momentum in our lives and then God can usher us forward and he uses each, other's there, each other to encourage us on that journey with one another rather than a sense of, come on, why, why don't you get it? But when there's momentum, we've already got that thing of we get it that it's about God. It's about going deeper. And so my message today is called Going Deeper with Jesus. And today I want to look at two lessons of how we can go deeper with Jesus. But let me pray before 
we uh, look at those points. Father God, thank you so much that you are a God who is generous and kind, loving and all-knowing, and you're also a God who is patient. Thank you, God, that you're patient with me. We can say that for each of us from our heart. Thank you, God, that you are patient with me. I just pray that that sense of patience would rest on us today, God. That rather than having maybe a sense of disappointment of the progress we're making, that you would remind us that progress in our lives, seeking you and becoming more like you, is determined by the pace that you know we can cope with, not necessarily our own desires of how quickly we would like to move. I just pray you'd soften hearts this morning and you would guide at my, my tongue and mind as I deliver your word this morning. Thank you, Father. Amen. So, two ways we can go deep with God. Now, there's an abundance here, and I'm quite delighted with myself that I've got two points rather than three. I'm trying to keep it a little bit shorter because I want to make sure we've got time to really pray at the end of this message. So the first way to go deep with God is no matter where you're at spiritually, seeking to, you need to seek to go deeper in your relationship with God. No matter where you're at spiritually. See, when the Apostle Paul wrote Philippians, he had been a Christian. He'd been walking with, with, well, with God, with Jesus for 25 years or so. And God had used him to perform many miracles. He had several encounters with the risen Lord, but he didn't rest in those experiences. He said that he wanted to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. In Philippians 3, he added, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to the purposes that perfect, perfection for which Jesus Christ possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. And he goes on to say that we should have the same attitude. We all need to fight against spiritual complacency. We can also see the same with Moses' experience. Moses prayed to God in Exodus 33, If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so that I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And so the Lord replies to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you. But Moses wasn't content with that, and he continued, I pray, show me your glory. This was a request to know God more deeply. But I'd kind of want to say to Moses, and surely we all think this a little bit, Moses, what more could you want? You were the man who talked with God at the burning bush. You saw God do many mighty miracles in Egypt. You saw him part the Red Sea. You spent 40 days on a mountain where you personally met with God and received the Ten Commandments. Isn't that enough, Moses? 
Haven't you had enough? Surely you've had enough. No, Moses replies, if we had this conversation. I want to see the glory of God in a deeper way. Can I encourage you, no matter where you are, at the beginning of your journey, decades into your relationship with God, anywhere in between, the truth is, is as disciples, we're not there. So whether you're working on the first 1% under the 90 or whether you're at 67%, the thing is, is there is so much more that God has for us to go deeper. So don't be embarrassed if you're at the early stages because God's not embarrassed, he's delighted. Don't think, oh, how do I compare to other people? Because God says, don't compare. Your own journey is that, it's your own journey. In a sense, it doesn't matter where anyone else is with God, it's you and God. And if you're well on that journey, be encouraged that God has taken you this far, but he wants to take you further. And if Moses and um, Paul can say, I want to know your glory more, can I say there's a lot more for us? I'm not Moses. I'm not Paul. Spiritual giants in the faith. Now, the thing is, is not to lift these, these people and many of the characters in the Bible as, oh, they are heroes, they are close to godliness, they reached 100%. No. You know what? Paul and Moses and many other are incredible people, men and women of God. But they've not always been faithful. See, Paul himself said in Romans 7, in my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Now, there's a whole sermon to look at Paul before and after, but Paul was aware of his brokenness. He was aware of his brokenness. In fact, I've got another scripture up there, which I'd swapped, I'd forgotten. If we can put that back up. I want, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. You see, Paul has been selected by God to do incredible things, to write most of the New Testament, and yet he knows of his weaknesses and frailties. So he knows he's not perfect, which is why he wants to go deeper. Uh, in Numbers 20, we hear from Moses. The Lord said to Moses, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving them. Moses has been with God. He's been in his very presence. And yet, because of his humanity and that he's not perfect, God says, look, Moses, you messed up there. I'll forgive you. Let's work. Let's carry on. So, Paul and Moses weren't perfect, like we aren't perfect. And it was their awareness of their brokenness that they desired ever more to deepen their relationship with God. Can I encourage you, no matter where you're at spiritually, seek to go deeper with your relationship with God. Matthew 7 says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open.
So number one, no matter where you're at spiritually, seek to go deeper in your relationship with God. And then the second way that we can look to go deeper in our relationship with God is your walk with Jesus is a matter of your own personal responsibility. Now, although we came in through the same door as every other believer through putting our faith in Jesus, our own path of discipleship will differ from everyone else's. We have different life circumstances. We have different gifts. We each have our own unique calling. But my walk with Jesus is a matter of my own personal responsibility. I cannot expect anyone else to listen to Jesus for me or pray for me or obey Jesus for me. If you want your faith to be vigorous and robust, you need to regularly spend time with Jesus in prayer and in his word. No one else can do these things for you. You see, we're each personally accountable to Jesus for our obedience. Now, that's not to say that we're on this journey alone. God knows that we need brothers and sisters in Christ to journey with us. And that's why he's created the church. That's why we're in the church. That's why we're not called to be monks where, you know, who maybe go off into the wilderness forever just to be with you and God. You see, there's times where God says, look, you need to go and just be with me. But he wants us to be around a community of brothers and sisters in Christ to challenge us, to encourage us, so that there is a physical presence where sometimes we can just hold one another, we can lay hands on one another. So it's not to diminish the fact that we need others around us because they can be a real blessing to us. Proverbs 27 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. But you see, the thing is, is we can't live off someone else's relationship with God. We can't live off someone else's revelation with God. Sure, we can be blessed by it. When you hear words being shared, testimonies, when you hear sermons, when you listen to podcasts and sermons online and read Christian books, you're getting blessed by people's relationship and revelation by God, with God. So it's of a huge benefit. But... What is greater by far is our own personal relationship with God. At a church I once went to, I knew a guy, and he'd spent all his teenage years in church. And he had an amazing youth leader. I mean, the greatest youth leader I have ever seen. This guy soared into him so much, encouraged him, shared the word of God with him. But when this this guy who was in the youth turned 19... He left the church and walked away from God because he went to university and all of a sudden he was outside of that kind of covering of this youth leader who sowed so much into him. You see, this young guy walked away from God because he didn't have an intimate relationship with God. He'd invited Jesus into his life, but rather than seeking God... He basically just focused on that top 10%. And what he then did was he gleaned, he took the revelation and the relationship that his youth leader had with God and just kind of fed off that. 
the problem with that is everything he was consuming was secondhand. You see, God wants us to be blessed by all the wisdom and knowledge and experience of our brothers and sisters. As iron sharpens iron. But God's best for you is he has first-hand revelation. He has first-hand relationship with you. If you come on Sunday and it's the only time you hear the Bible being read or the only time you sing or the only time you pray, can I say you're on a starvation diet? It's, it's poor, it's weak. Tragedy happens, you're gone. But if you see this as a way of supplementing what you're already doing with God, then you will start to understand church for what it is. You see, the real nourishment we get is from God. It's that one-on-one. Now, when we come to church and other things, we're getting extras. We're getting vitamins and supplements that add to that meal that God is giving us. But you can't survive if you never ate anything and just pop pills, vitamins. You go for a bit. Who knows? I don't know how long you can go for. But you're missing out. You'd become scrawny and weak. Matthew 6, these are Jesus' words. He says, when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. See, spending time alone with God rids our mind of distraction so that we can focus on him and hear his word. Abiding resting in him we enjoy the intimacy to which he has called us for to truly know him in a minute I'm going to pray but but what I want to say is next week we're going to have a table of resources out and uh, myself and the leaders are going to pick out some books of great teaching that will enable you to go deeper we'll have the bible in a year particularly thinking of the new year. We'll have some spiritual classics like Brother Lawrence. We'll look at some of the things like his Upmost for, uh, Upmost for His Highest uh, by um, Oswald Chambers. There'll be, other, there'll be other kind of sort of, you know, more manageable daily devotions so that you can look at the variety of things and think, do I want to go deeper? There's a list of resources here that will be there. Now, it's not that you need those. You may have stuff. There's loads of other things. But I just want to make it easy for you to take that next step. But the key thing is, is I'm not buying you the book. I'm not putting a book in your hand. I'm not showing you the place in your house that's the perfect place to spend time with God. It's up to you. The leaders will make everything in the best possible situation to help you. But here's the word that God gave me on on that vision that he shared with me a bit over a year ago. He said the role of the season of discipleship is that the leaders are to take the congregation up this hill, up this journey onto a top of a hill of discipleship. And when they're on the top of the hill, they could see down, you can see down into this secret private place with God. And he said to me what then needs to happen is, The leaders have done their job in a sense to say, look, there it is. There's the secret, intimate, quiet place with God. And that's it. 
It's not to hold people's hands and drag them down. It's not to push them down. It's for you to see that God has a rich and depth in his relationship with you that you don't know, but you've got to listen to him. I believe that as we kind of start to, you know, at different stages going down that hill, that each of you go down at different paces, that we will start to see a break in the, the heaven, uh, the heavenlies break open, where rather than me and Paul and other people trying to kind of encourage you and usher you along, you'll already be moving. My heart is that I would be a pastor who, like with a shepherd with sheep, won't be using a crook to grab around your neck and pull you along, but that actually the flock would be in front and I would be behind, being able to see where people's, people are going and just direct a little bit. Because that's what a shepherd does when they're really doing it well, is that they're leading the flock from behind. Can I encourage you? Would you seek God? Would you seek God? And so I'm going to ask the band to, to come up. Um, it's been a little bit of a shorter message, but, but what I really felt is we need to do is we need to pray. What we need to pray, and I'm praying for specific things here. We're not, uh, we've got Pastor Dave next week talking about healing. This isn't where we're praying right now. What we're praying for is that, do you want to go deeper in your relationship with God? Have you delighted and, and enjoyed what God has been doing in you over this season at the beginning stages of, of discipleship. Do you want to go deeper? I can't answer that question for you. But if you want to go deeper, if you want to know Jesus in a fresh way, that the momentum started and you want to say, God, I want to speed up. I want to go faster. In fact, forget this pace. I want to go further. At your pace, Jesus. Was a, was a Freudian slip there. Rather than it being faster, let God set the pace. I want to go places fast. God often says, well, I don't. I want you to go at the pace that I've set. Then, then all of heaven will be with you and behind you. And I said, do you want all of heaven to be with you and behind you as you journey and seek God? If you do, I'm going to ask you to come forward for prayer. Because here's my heart, is that we will be a people of disciples who start to grasp, it's about me and Jesus. Yes, he's put me in a family, but... I need to seek him. And like we looked at that scripture, is if we knock on the door, Jesus opens. If we ask him, he will give us what we ask when it's in line with honoring him. Can I absolutely assure you, if you say, Jesus, I want to know you more and to go deeper in you, that is not a question that, that Jesus answers, not sure. He picks you up in, your, in his arms. He holds you tight and says, yes, let's go. Let's go. So I'm going to ask if you're, if you're able, please stand. 
some of you may be in a situation where you just don't feel you're there. If that is, that's okay. Some of you may not even know Jesus. I'm going to pray for you. First, I'm going to pray um, that if you don't know Jesus and want to invite him into your life, or let's say you've just wandered and drifted, I'm going to pray for you. This prayer is inviting Jesus for the first time or again to invite him into your heart. For those of you who are already walking with Jesus but have a sense that I know you need to go deeper, not necessarily coming back to him, but want to go deeper, I'm going to pray that in a second. But for those people who want to invite Jesus into their life for the first time, or you know that not only have you not been pursuing him, you've just ignored him and you want to come back, I'm going to pray. So as I pray this, is if you're in that category where you want to come to Jesus and invite him into your heart, first time or again, just repeat these words after me. You don't have to shout them. But speak those words out. This is part of you taking an active step and your own personal journey to actually say, I want to take steps. So if you want to close your eyes and just pray this prayer after me. Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for making me. And thank you for sending your son Jesus to earth to show me how to live and then to die on the cross for all my wrongdoing. I ask for your forgiveness and I ask that you would come into my life so that I may spend the rest of my days loving you, seeking you, following you and serving you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So that's you to keep your eyes closed. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe you've just had to come back to, to God, can I ask, just for my benefit, because I just want to be able to come and pray with you afterwards, can you just raise your hand if that's, that applies to yourself? No one's looking. If, if that's your prayer, then just raise your hand. Thank you, God. There's two hands there. Thank you, Father. Anyone else? Forget who's next to you. Forget who you come with. There's another hand. This is you and God. This is you and God. No one else is in this room, really. It's you and God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. For those of you who have raised your hand, um, it's the best decision you can ever make. If it's the first time, you're going to discover the true joy of, of what it is to be understanding that you're adopted as a son and daughter into Jesus' family. You're now royalty. If you're coming back to him, God has so much more for you. I just want to pray now for everyone else. Do you want to go deeper? We've finished emotionally healthy spirituality. Simply a vehicle to get us going, but there's a lot further to go. Do you want to keep going on the journey? If you do, 
we're just going to have some worship playing. But if you do and want to be prayed for, there's, no, there's nothing magical or powerful in my words. More so than yours. It's just simply I want to pray for you so that, that we're just declaring before God that you want to go deeper. And God hears our prayers and he will, I guarantee you, he guarantees you that he will open the door and let the, the open the floodgates of heaven and drench you in his love if you're willing to be obedient and go at his pace. So let's worship and if, if that's you and you want prayer, please come forward. <laughs>